Right. Well, we are going to follow up and do as much as we can, uh, you know, kind of answering some of these common questions about prayer and uh, finish up the, the discussion we were having last week. Um, we talked about what does it look like when we pray and we examined, you know, kind of chants and repetitions. And, you know, we we received the guidance from God's word where it clearly says that's that's not where we need to go. You know, because that's not the, the heart of prayer. If you need, Pastor Becker, I think there's a few extra here. Nathan, do you want to We're on the second page. Um, so, And then if you want, like if you haven't uh, picked it all up, we are going through A Praying Life, which was written by uh, Pastor Kevin Sadler. So uh, you can, it, that's our springboard. And then we kind of have gone deeper and gone different places. But this week, uh, we're just finishing up as we draw this whole thing together. Uh, Ephesians 6, 8 provides a really nice backdrop uh, that kind of encompasses and gives really good overview and teaching about how we should pray, when we should pray, what we should pray, um, and it, it's kind of one, a, a really good, you know, just a general instructive passage for prayer. So let's look at that, and we'll continue working our way through um, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. And again, since we're just getting started, uh, I will read it here. This is where Paul says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. All right, so we've just been methodically breaking that down. We started with praying always. And what does that look like? And now we're adding in this phrase, praying with all prayer and supplication. So if you have your handout, we'll just briefly review that, that idea and help you fill in there. Uh, we asked the question, what kinds of things can the believer pray for? You know, is it, am I, can I only pray about spiritual things? Can I only pray about physical things? What kind? There's a lot of tangents. There's a lot of offshoots of thought and thinking. And from this passage, well, we just took uh, and, and it's really quite evident, even in basic language, where it reveals, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. It's the tiny words that have all the impact. I mean, Ephesians is a book of tiny words, right? Tiny words, massive doctrines. The tiny words, you go in chapter one, we've been blessed with all spiritual blessings. I mean, it's just completely expansive and then everything that we learn that we have in christ is those tiny little prepositions and and adverbs that really just uh are immense uh in their meaning for us and so that's that's an application right here you know how do we talk to god well we talk to him always and with all expansive prayer and supplication. We looked at prayer just being general requests. So we pray generally, 
And then we saw that the supplication really has an idea of being specific. All right, so supplication, we pray generally and we pray specifically. But wrapped up in that word, just the, the structure of that word alone of supplication, it has it implies a felt need uh, that is both personal and urgent. All right, I've got this going on in my life, and it's it's all the world to me now. Kind of like a kid, right? You know, and and I only reference a kid uh, because I'm all too similar to a kid in my own thinking. Sometimes, you know, a, a, a child can get something in their head, or you know, like they they get a smudge of dirt on their finger, and if they're a, a clean, loving child, dirt mess mess like they're singularly minded and this is the biggest need they have in their life right now it doesn't matter that they can literally be about to fall off a balcony they're like i'm dirty get rid of it right now as adults we can we can easily and i'll probably say that and i'll speak for myself i often do lose track of perspective and big picture because i'm just stuck on the piece of dirt right there on my finger. Like, oh my goodness, what I'm challenged and encouraged. And I'll tell you, I was convicted about this week, even this morning, <laughs> you know, because uh, what the Lord, the Lord brought to mind missed opportunities, you know, as, as I think about this idea of, you know, uh, Justin, yeah, that, that speck of dirt was on your finger. And guess what? That's a supplication. You can bring that to me. You don't need to just bring to me the fact that you're hanging on the ledge off the balcony. I see the dirt on your finger too, and I'm here for it. Wow. That that that's challenging and that's that's changing me. You know, that that is uh, a beautiful idea. Do tuck in that mind the, the the specialness of that word supplication, being it's personal, there's a sense of urgency wrapped up into it, and it's a, a felt, specific need, because that's going to come out in some of our other passages, um, and uh, we'll be blessed when we see it that way. All right? So uh, we then move on to this uh, quote that's there, and I'll just read the quote again for you. This is by Pastor Salad that he writes this. To find joy in his divine company and to make it a habit of life, Speaking humbly and conversing lovingly with him at all times, at every moment, and then the blanks here, without rule or restriction, above all at times of temptation, distress, and even of faithlessness and sin. The idea that we go to God with anything, with everything, and there's nothing hindering, no rule or, you know, oh, before you come to me, you need to jump up seven times and then do this and get on your knees, bow towards the east, bow, no. That, that's not, there, there are no rules or restrictions in this. Um, and that, that even comes out even stronger as we get to the point beyond prayer and supplication. When he talks about praying in the spirit, it's a very misunderstood thing. But as we pray in the spirit, the heart of praying in the spirit is pray within the access that you've been given to God. Pray. I mean, you've been given the very Spirit of God where you go and you enter boldly the throne room of God. And 
you know, that spirit is what enables us to cry out, Abba, Father. Uh, you know, and, and it, it, many have, uh, and this is true, to look at praying in the spirit, we look at that as well. You pray about spiritual things and you pray about the mind of Christ. And we see different aspects of the mind of Christ in the written word of God. But we reduce it to these very finite things. And it is these things, but it's so much more as well. And part of that is, the, again, the access that we have. So do we, we have unfettered access through the Spirit of God. So there's nothing, there is no ruler restriction that comes in. Because, again, we're praying in the context of a relationship. That's one of the things we pulled out from, you know, the Lord's Prayer. You know, that's something he was teaching, and they really missed the point of that. So now we look at Philippians chapter 1, and let's read verses 19 through 24. This is exactly where we ended. Philippians chapter 1, and we're going to answer these two questions about two things that we learn about prayer from Paul's demonstration here in Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 24. So, uh, Doug, do you mind if we start with you? And let's actually read 19 through 26. So if we could just each take one verse. <laughs> and we can skip Sonia. <laughs> I know. She can make it up. <laughs> or I know that... This will turn out for my salvation through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. No, just one. Just one. Oh, okay. Yeah. Sorry. According to my earnest expectation and my hope that in nothing I shall be ashamed, that with all boldness as always, so now also Christ should be magnified in my body, whether it be by life or by death. For to me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor. Yet what I shall, yet what I shall choose, I know not. For I am hard pressed between the two, having a desire to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. Nevertheless, to remain in the flesh is more needful for you. Uh, let's go through 26, if you don't mind. Sorry. And being confident of this, I know that I shall remain and continue with you all for your progress and joy of faith. That your rejoicing may be more abundant in Jesus Christ for me by my coming to you again. All right. So what's going on here is, you know, we gather the context of the book of Philippians. Uh, refresh my memory. Is Philippians written towards the beginning of Paul's ministry or somewhere in the middle or towards the end? Does anyone know? All right. So on the timeline of Paul's life and ministry, he is on the tail swing of his ministry. All right. And in fact, he's, you know, he's in his uh, later years, it's a prison epistle, you know, like he's, he is, uh, you know, he's been in prison, he's been out of prison, uh, religious convict. No. <laughs> All right. So this is at the, the tail end. Um, 
And Paul is here at the end of his life. And we could even say, you know, the transition from God working with the nation of Israel to the body of Christ has been uh, long established. And the body of Christ is, is really going on, okay? And here in that context, Paul states, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance or, you know, uh, salvation. It's translated some places. He's not talking about soul salvation. He's literally talking about the physical distress that he is experiencing in his life. Um, and he, you know, he's saying, God's going to work this out. I will be delivered circumstantially. How so? Through your prayer and the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. He attributes God's intervention and God's working in his life to these two things. And he relates it as an equation, right? He says it will be through your prayer, the prayers of the saints and the supply, whatever God deems, whatever God gives through the spirit of Jesus Christ. To me, this is one of the most profoundly influential reasons why I believe I can pray about anything, everything, and including all things physical. Because Paul himself had a deep conviction and a deep rest and belief. Here he says, for I know that this will turn out to my deliverance. All right, there was a settled assurance in him. Just like he also said at the end of his life, I know whom I have believed in. All right, that's a him, but it's based off of what he said to Timothy there, all right? So there's a settled assurance within Paul that God was going to work in the physical and the mediator or what would influence that is the prayers of the saints and what God was going to do himself uh, through that. That is very profound to me that, uh, you know, it's easy because theological debates come up about this so much. And, you know, um, it, it's easy to miss the forest for the trees sometimes. And I need to be reminded of, you know, not just the, well, what do I believe about prayer, but like kind of st take a step back and really see, you know what? I don't just believe that I can pray for physical things. I need to take back an even further step away and say, yeah, I believe I can pray for physical things. And I believe that God can and does work through prayer, you know? Um, <laughs> there was a very contrary song from the 80s, I believe, maybe 90s, and it was a it was a song of of waywardness of heart. It was a rock and roll song, and I, and I believe the the edge that they took was you have to fight for your right to party. Well, I'm going to disagree with that premise, uh, and it and it really was. It was a song of rebellion and and all of that, but. Uh, Sometimes in, in battle, particularly when theologic battles come up, like, you know, we're going we're gonna to fight and we're going to do the work and we're going to do the digging in scripture to get the right answer. 
And then once we have the answer, we forget to use it. Does that make sense? You know, and that's one of the things that, that I, I see here. And I've, I've seen as a challenge for us of like, we figure out, okay, well, no, we can't pray for it. Okay. Do you pray for it then? You know, uh, so again, encouraging us, Paul believed it made a difference. I believe it makes a difference too. And God changes and works through that. So uh, I'll tell you, I'm being encouraged uh, to pray more fervently. That's actually one of the things that he's saying in, at the end of Ephesians there, you know, with perseverance, because God uses that. Do I understand it? No, but I see it clearly laid out for me. And it's one of those things I accept by faith, uh, even though I don't understand it. So one of the things, the two things mentioned here, the first thing is that Paul believed and knew God answered prayer for physical things. That's exactly what he's saying here in that. I know that my deliverance, my physical uh, my physical circumstances will be impacted or altered through prayer, okay? And that is the first thing that we'll walk away from. And there's nuance to that, and we'll talk about that here. But I want us to, to see this picture that, that uh, this isn't just a one and done. This isn't just like a proof text, like Paul said it one time. No, praise the Lord, he said it for us at the end of his ministry so we can see you know, there is a tendency sometimes that for somebody who might be more predisposed to what we'd say in Acts 28 position where, you know, it's not till the very, very end the body of Christ starts. And, you know, and so we can chop out a lot of Paul's early teachings. Well, this is a late teaching right here. And he is seeing God working in the physical for us. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and we'll look at verse 9 and 10. Not only did Paul believe that others' prayer for him would change things, he believed his prayer for others would change things as well. Um... I think Pastor Becker is next. Would you read 9 and 10 of Romans 1, please? First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you, because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Sorry. For God is my witness, whom I uh, serve with my spirit in the gospel of the Son, that without ceasing I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow... By God's will, I may now, at least for at last, succeed in coming to you. Okay. So he's being specific. He's praying specifically for these saints at Rome. He makes mention of them, making a request then, if by some means he's like, I want to come to you if it be the will of God. So he's praying about, you know, God's will and Paul himself, the apostle of grace, didn't have a claim to know everything that there was about the, the will of God. That was something that he looked to God to reveal. And one of the agents was through prayer. He prayed about this. Uh, 
you know, now he also had his own desire, right? Verse 11, for I long to see you. He's like, I'm praying about this. I want whatever God wants, but I'm, I'm going to tell you, I know what I want and I want to see you because I want to encourage you and I want to give you what I have. I want to impart to you some spiritual gift to strengthen you. It's about that. I think of Pastor Wolgast and I kind of joke there, his his uh, Pastor Wolgast missionary journeys across the country, you know, wherever, you know, he he's traveling and he's always desiring to stop so he can strengthen and build, you know, kind of other other people up. So the desire's there, but does it always work out and always happen? Nope. I can hear, I can think of 10 examples where he's like, yeah, this is what I wanted, but it didn't work out that way. But in hindsight, you see, well, thank you, Lord, for not taking down that path because this path was actually better. You know, so there's the, there's the, the personal desire that's mixed. And that's honestly what we're going to see as the, the second point here that, that Paul had. Because it's the prayer of the saints, and then it was the supply of the Spirit of God. You know, there's the, the overarching uh, rule, dominion, will of God that's at play in here. Go with me again to 1 Timothy chapter 4. This is a nice bite-sized list for you to kind of tuck in your Bible somewhere, you know, so that if, if somebody does question you, well, well you know, or, or somebody brings a doubt along into your life, there, this is a handy little list that you can look at to kind of help you um, remember. Well, no, Paul had quite a testimony of, of looking to the Lord for physical things. And I'll say, you know, I bring this up just because this was a, this was something I really had to work through. Uh, I, ha I had a lot of people in my life coming and, and, and teaching contrary to what I'm, what I see from God's word here. And I have always been taught God was involved in my life. But then you go through some difficult circumstances where your faith is truly being tested and purified and tried. And, you know, uh, and you have these uh, doubtful disputes come in, you know, and you really have to, to work at it or really discern and seek the Lord on these things. But 1 Timothy chapter 4, and let's look at let's look at verses 1 through 5. We'll read that whole passage. Let's go ahead and jump to two verses each. So 1 Timothy chapter 4, and we'll read verses 1 through 5. Tom, if you don't mind starting. Now the Spirit, now the Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter times some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. Forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Okay, this passage is kind of interesting. This provides great complementary content to what Pastor Kern's been talking about in 1 Corinthians, right? You know, he had to deal with a lot of food. Now, that, that is another element to the conversation to bring in here of, 
you know, as Paul specifically talking about um, what can I eat, what can I eat? Well, 1 Corinthians brings in the layer of complexity of conscience sake. And so that is something to be considered here. But in this specific passage in Timothy, he's not just he's not necessarily talking about things of of conscience with was this offered to an idol? Was this not? He's talking about people who are coming in and they have another set of problems. It has nothing to do with idolatry here. And this has to do with extra biblical man centered man originated um, doctrines and teachings of you can't have this. You shouldn't do that. And, you know, these uh, uh, pharisaical type impositions that we put on the word of God. And Paul cuts through that chatter. He cuts through the babble and he says in verse four, for every creature of God is good and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. Doug, a couple of weeks ago, you you brought out, you know, the idea of just praying always and Thanksgiving was attached into that. You know, those two those two things are there uh, that comes out clearly in the book of Colossians in chapter three that we, we pray all the time. And then there's there, Thanksgiving in all things is linked there. Now, Paul is saying this specifically about food is food a physical thing. Very much is. Now, we can sit here and we can say that we're receiving spiritual food. It's very true. But we all consume physical food as well. And he says, every creature of God's good and don't refuse anything. But the criteria, the basis is there needs to be thanksgiving there. For it is sanctified. It is set apart. It is cleansed. It is made special and holy. By the word of God, by the teaching of God, by knowing and setting it apart that Jesus Christ cleansed us. He, he died for it. He covered everything. You have the freedom. You have the access. You have all this stuff in Christ. It's sanctified by the word of God. You're free from the law of Moses so that the unclean animals, the unclean animals, that's not uh, being imposed upon you. You're free from that. The word of God is sanctifying what you want to eat. All right. So it's talking about very physical things there and very concretely from the word of God, you're set free. But then it says, and prayer. All right. Prayer is our response in this situation to the actual truth of the word of God. The word of God says it. You're, you're free. You're not bound. Praise the Lord. I can eat bacon. Okay. And I'm so thankful I live in the age of grace. So I can have that unclean meat, okay? One of my favorite things in life. So the word of God sets it apart, but there is a component. My response to that is, well, I need a thankful heart because when we enter whatever we're eating, this very physical aspect of our life, food is a central part of our life, isn't it? It's a central part of our physical life, I would tell you. You know, We need it for sustenance, but it's also a very social thing. You have someone over to your home or you go out to eat or you want to have a good sit down heart to heart with somebody. We do it over coffee or food or something. All right. It's, it touches so many aspects of our life. Um, and Paul says, pray, S set it apart through talking to me. Thank me for it. 
recognize the gift I'm giving it to you in that. So Paul here gives this another example of he prayed for his circumstances. Here he's praying for uh, on a continued basis, and he gives us the basis for which we should continually pray about these physical things about our food. Uh, he gives us the, the example of that. Now, it, it, it's easy, again, because as men, uh, you know, men and women, we can approach this as, oh, here's a law, and we can turn it into a law. But the, the principle, the freedom of it is that, no, we get to go talk to God. He wants us to talk to God and have that reflective. It starts with the heart, that thankful spirit. Philemon, verse 22. I love the book. It's so hard to call it a book because it's so tiny. <laughs> I love the tweet of Philemon. It's, you know, <laughs> Philemon verse 22. Again, dealing with a very physical set of circumstances, right? You know, uh, you know, give, give him a slave back. And I'm saying to you, he's useful to you now. <clears throat> verse 22. But meanwhile... Also prepare a guest room. All right. So don't just get ready for the return of the slave that ran away. Get ready for me. For I trust that through your prayers, I shall be granted to you. Yes. I love it. Paul wanted to go visit this guy. And he says, and I trust, again, you pray about this. God is going to figure it out, whatever. But just like the Romans, I trust that I'm coming. And he says, your prayers will have something to do with that. I love it. That's, that's a strong testimony to me. I also have Ephesians 1, 15 through 23 written. And you can, uh, we'll glance at that. This one isn't so much, you know, it's not one of these, you know, whoa, in your face, Paul prayed this and it was... Um, but he's praying, and it's about what it's about Christ. And we just need to remember that Christ lived and he worked this all out in a physical way for us and for this to be manifest in our lives. The spiritual wisdom to be worked out in the flesh, physically speaking. Um, let me just let's read verse. He's praying, and verse 19 says, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and all those things. And I, I, I stand humbled, when I read this, you know, he physically raised Christ from the dead. And that power that he did that, he is now desiring to channel into, funnel through, inject, work out through each of us that same mighty power and working in us. I mean, man, that is, that's a very physical reality. And Paul's praying for that. And, and I bring that up because it, 
that's often, you know, well, Paul prayed for spiritual things. Yeah, he did. That That is of a spiritual nature. But the, the spiritual world is always worked out in a very real physical sense. <clears throat> Any questions about that point? Paul believed and knew that God answered prayer for physical things. So the second thing that we saw from that passage in uh, Philippians is that God will provide through your prayers and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ. All right. So the second thing that we're going to uh, call to attention here is that there is a union and a working relationship between God and man regarding how prayer works. Okay. That there is some sort of, I'll, I'll put the word, dichotomy, this double-edged relationship <laughs> that he wants, he desires us to talk to him the, and, and to relate to him through prayer. And he uses that. He honors that. Proverbs speaks generally of the prayers of a righteous man avail much. I don't understand how it, how it all works together. But yet I see the testimony and the reality of it again and again throughout Scripture. So while it's not dependent on us, he invites us into it. And that's that's humbling, isn't it? To think of, you know, God just God invites us into that. <clears throat> Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Verse 11. All right, so here's the, here's the follow-up to what Pastor Kurt has been talking about. He's, this is a repeat letter back to this church. Okay? <clears throat> and let's start in verse 8. Let's read verses 8 through 11. Um Let's read two verses each, and Doug, if you don't mind, starting in verse 8, and we'll go up through 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Starting at verse 4? Yeah. And one verse? Yes. <laughs> who, com who comforts us in all our tribulation, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort which, excuse me, with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abounded. All right. And so we'll connect that then, you know, the beautiful comfort that Paul had. Well, what was going on? Pop, pop up to verse 8. And Pastor Becker, would you read verses 8 <clears throat> and 9? And then we'll go up to 11. But we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God, who raises the dead. Who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us. Yea, also helping also helping together by prayer for us, that for the gift bestowed upon us 
by the means of many persons, thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Okay. Powerful poetry Paul's using here. This is a, a big deal. He's saying, you know, God comforted us in all of this. Well, and well, how did he comfort us? Well, <laughs> don't, don't be silly here. Let me tell you. You know, when they were in Asia, they were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that they despaired even of life. Whatever circumstances Paul was going through here, it was beyond the capacity to measure it and quantify it. I love that. I don't love that Paul suffered that way. But I love that he described it because whenever, you know, if, and this is where you just see the beauty of God and in, in inspiring the writers of scripture. If he would have said, you know, we struggled in X, Y, or Z, analytical minds or, or people today who are struggling would come along and say, well, Paul only struggled with X, Y, and Z, and I'm not struggling with X, Y, Z, so that's not me. But under the guidance of the Holy Spirit, Paul says, no, we struggled so much that it was beyond able, able to quantify it and measure exactly what we were experiencing. Hmm. I read that today. Paul's original readers would have read that. They can sympathize with that. We can track with that sentiment. Man, I, I have been in despair where it's, I, I can't even measure this or put words onto it. And above strength, beyond the internal natural capacity that we have. I mean, those we've all been put into those situations potentially more frequently than we like. <laughs> okay, a lot more frequently than I like, you know, where I, I am pushed beyond what I physically can do. And I have to actually, in that moment, recognize this is beyond me. I cannot do this in and of my own self. Well, I do remind us that that is the whole basis of God's grace, is him doing for us what we can't do ourselves. But he said, so that we despaired even of life. Wow. You talk to anybody on the street today in 2021, you listen to what the major healthcare streams and of news and what people are talking about socially and, and, and all over mental and behavioral health is at the top of the list coming out of what we've uh, all endured this past year and a half uh, mental health concerns are just significantly skyrocketing and this was already true because of of the pain in the heart that so many were holding and yet we see in this that you know, so many people look at, oh, those Christians are just pie in the sky. They can't understand the pain that I'm going through. They can never relate to what my life looks like. They're so squeaky clean going to church. Yeah, even in scripture, we have Paul despairing of life. And in that context, yeah, I mean, talk about relatable. He's utterly relatable. Despairing of life, and yet his attention Turn to God, but God who raises us from the dead. Remember I made that connection just a couple minutes ago to Ephesians chapter one, that power of God who was raised from the dead being worked out. Paul's living that out right here. You know, he's like, I wanted to die. I couldn't even measure it, but that 
life-giving power of God was worked out in our own lives. And he said, it happened then, and I trust it's going to still keep happening. How so? Verse 11, you also helping together in prayer for us. One of the things that Paul attributed, I mean, he attributed that very life-giving power, the resurrection power of Jesus Christ that we read about in Ephesians 1. That's on the list. That's the supply of the spirit of Jesus Christ. But then he said through prayer, your prayer. I mean, this, it's a, it's a coin, a front and back, heads and tails. You can't separate it. It's all one coin. It, it, that dual link is all through scripture. We saw it in Philippians 1, and we see it very strongly here in 2 Corinthians. And I thank God for passages like that because I don't understand it, but I see it, and it's beautiful. Remember how I told you our word in Ephesians 6.18 for uh, we pray with all prayer and supplication? Guess what the word prayer translated in the New King James here, 2 Corinthians 1.11? That's actually supplication. That's that same felt need that is personal and urgent. That's what's going on here. Praise God. I love it. That is, that's uh, exciting when we see these connections. And Paul says it helps together. It's kind of interesting that helps together. That's a very unique word. This is the only place that it's used in scripture. And even if you try to look at, well, how was it, how would a natural Greek have understood this? It's not even used in like cl classical literature or anything. It's very rare. Uh, and so you just look at the root words to kind of define it. And it's almost, you know, we're talking about this relationship of man prays and the spirit of God also supplies. You know, it's as if Paul had to make up a word to figure out <laughs> how this works. You know, he says, it, it, you help together in prayer by God. It, it's, it's both of these things together. And he, he gives the praise and glory to God. We also need to look, and we'll end here, Romans chapter 8. Because this basically states from Scripture what I've been saying of, I don't understand this, but I know it is. And that is exactly what Paul teaches us about the Spirit of God, is we don't understand, but the Spirit of God is working on our behalf. Look at verse 26. He says, Likewise, the Spirit also helps in our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now he who searches the hearts knows what the mind of the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that all things are going to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Man, we could just spend so much time on this. But this, this is kind of the trump card to it all. Yes, we pray. But even as we pray specifically and urgently about these things, we don't even know the Spirit of God steps in and he intercedes on our behalf and he interprets on our behalf. And... 
in the end and always through every step of the way, God rules and God reigns in this relationship. But it's all in the context of that relationship. We pray in the spirit. I mean, this is praying in the spirit. It's, it's not something I'm doing. It's really the spirit doing it. All right. It's Now, granted, yes, we take what we know of God's word. That's, you know, remember, uh, you're free to eat whatever, knowing that it's sanctified by the word of God. There is a what we know component, but there's our response to it. And then there's a what we don't know, and that is praying in the spirit. We don't know how to pray, but he prays. Uh, he interprets and intercedes on our behalf. I wanted to spend more time in the book of Philippians. If you want to take notes, write down Philippians 2, 19 through 24, and then 25 through 30. So Philippians 2, 19 through 24, 25 through 30. And then at the end of the end of the book, Philippians 4, 10 through 20. There's, there's not a there's almost not a chapter in the book of Philippians that Paul doesn't deal with. God is working in the physical. All right. And that is linked to joy. That is linked to his working. But you can take that and kind of synthesize it together and just uh, be encouraged with that. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness to us. Um, I am humbled to just think about your deep desire to connect with us and for us to connect with you. And Father, you give us the, the instruction to pray to you, to give you the needs, the things that we feel. I pray that you would help us grow in our prayer life, that we would come to trust you more and be willing to recognize what we see and we think and we feel, and that we would be willing to relinquish it over to you. Father, we pray specifically for our saints. Help us to grow in this area that we can pray for, specifically for our saints and our brothers here in this church. And we know that you interpret and, and you work and you supply in a way that we don't understand, but that you promise it, Lord. Thank you for these things. We give you the praise and the glory in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.